today on Lawyers Rising. It's frustrating for me because these are smart people and they make all these huge career mistakes by doing things like that. The number one attorney career killer that you're never taught. Hello and welcome. I'm joined by three members of the BCG Attorney Search Team. Romina Philippou is a recruiter, Bree Mills is recruiting manager, and Harrison Barnes is the CEO and managing director. Hello to you all. Hi. So Harrison, you've been a legal recruiter for almost 20 years. Over that time, you've counseled many attorneys, hundreds of attorneys through their career transitions. You know what it takes to become a successful attorney. And I suppose conversely, you know what it takes to be an unsuccessful attorney. So you recently wrote this article titled The Number One Attorney Career Killer That Attorneys Are Never Taught. Why did you want to write that, Harrison? Well, I mean, one thing that I've noticed is, you know, a lot of attorneys will kind of go into the practice of law for the wrong reasons, or they go in without ever having been tested in a, in a work environment as opposed to, you know, an academic environment. And, you know, I think a lot of people enter the legal profession believing that, you know, they may be special or there's there's something kind of, you know, unique about them. But really, you know, the, the idea of what happens in a law firm is, you know, you're there, to, you're there to work and it's a competitive environment. And, you know, the people that are able to commit and work the hardest typically are the ones that build the most hours and, um, you know, get ahead. And I think a lot of people, you know, are able to get psyched out by their peers and other people and and don't end up doing well there because of that. I mean, they just, you know, have the right mindset. A lot of this has to do with culture and especially the culture at law firms and about how one is perceived if they're not willing to do the hours, if they're willing to take big, long breaks or perhaps switch firms unexpectedly. Can you talk about that, about the culture inside law firms that maybe young law students aren't exactly aware of. Well, I mean, the, the culture, yeah. And so what will happen is, you know, people will, you know, will, will go in, in, inside of a law firm and they'll feel like if they're not getting positive, you know, feedback rather than fix themselves, the reasons for that negative feedback, they will choose to leave, they'll, they'll, they'll look at other firms and they'll, they'll leave firms. And so all these things, when, when people are getting pushed back inside of a different, in different firms, they'll, you know, a lot of what's going on is related to the, the, the firm trying to put the person, you know, and make the person the type of attorney that that they want the firm to be and that the firm wants them to be. So different firms kind of have different expectations of the types of attorneys they want. I mean, you know, some may be very white shoe and some may be casual, but, you know, all in all, I mean, every law firm wants people that are going to kind of commit to their way of doing business and their their kind of brand in the market. And, you know, every law firm expects, you know, people to kind of commit for the most part. Um, Not not in every market, you know, certainly in a lot of, you know, smaller to mid-sized markets markets, there's, there's not that crazy level of commitment required in all firms. But, you know, in most large markets, there are. There are. So, you know, I, I hope that answers your question. Yeah. Romina and Bree, in your roles as recruiters, does this ring true to you? I'd like to hear your thoughts about this has revealed itself in some of the people that you've worked with in your role as recruiters. Yeah, absolutely. Um I think that it's especially true, maybe a big law firm is I think, especially a big law firms, you know, that's where you see the high billable hour requirements and expectations. I remember when I was in big law back in 2015, 2016, I think our billable hours jumped from 1800 to 1850 hours. And then now more and more I'm seeing when my candidates get offers, the billable hours requirements are 19, 1950, sometimes 2000 or 
I've even seen 2100. So I think that this is especially true at bigger firms. So I, I think the billable hours are reflective of the fact that they do expect you to go in and work hard and bill a lot of hours. It's true that I've seen it at some smaller law firms that it's possible to find billable hours requirements that are lower, like 1600, 17, 1750. But by and large, I think whether it's a big firm or a small firm, firms are definitely going to expect you to go in and work hard really any day of the week, potentially any hour of the day. Like Harrison mentions in his article, big law or law doesn't really sleep and, and you should always kind of be accountable to your clients and to the partners that you're working for, to the senior associates that you're working under. So I, I definitely think it's true that, you know, firms generally are going to require a high level of commitment. Harrison, Romina references something you've talked about a lot in the article, and that has to basically boils down to you better be damn sure that you're 100% career committed before you set out on this path. Can you talk a little bit more about that, about why you need to understand that if you're really concerned about work-life balance, this may not be the career for you? Right. Well, the example I gave in the article is, and, and I think it's a really important example, is is an attorney or you know a doctor. I mean, you're you're working on roles that have that are very very important and, and are you know and and you know and that that, that have you know societal value and and that are that are necessary. So if a company is you know trying to do like an initial public offering or someone you know is uh, involved in a and there's a litigation case going on where there's all sorts of deadlines set by the court, you know, or you're you know even in a white collar you're representing someone that's been accused of a horrible financial crime or something you know where their their freedoms on the line or you're trying to save a company from bankruptcy or all these types of things that attorneys do. I mean, these are, you know, important things that have deadlines associated with them or require, you know, work on weekends and holidays and so forth. And so if, if you have a problem with that, you know, you're probably, you know, you know, unless you can find, you know, certain types of jobs, you're probably in the wrong profession. You know, people that talk about work-life balance in the, in the legal profession, especially in law firms, I mean, you know, you can't work at a, a law firm that takes its work seriously, really, and, and, and expect to have that. It's impossible. I mean, there's certain practice areas like maybe tax law, but not during tax season or ERISA or, you know, a, a few other practice areas where that may work. But if you want to be an attorney and you want to represent people and, and be chosen by them and work in a law firm that um, has a good reputation, um, you know, you, you can't really be concerned with life balance. You know, the thing that Romina brought up with, uh, you know, the hours keep rising. I mean, what ha- what's happening in the legal profession is, you know, law firms, the, the salaries keep rising. And so if one law firm, a large law firm, raises their salaries and another large law firm will too. And so in order to pay for those salary increases, you know, they need to increase the, the amount of hours that people need to work to pay for it. So, I mean, that's kind of what's going on with that. But it's just impossible to expect that, you know, you can work in a profession, you know, like, or, you know, you can't you can't be an emergency room physician or a, or a specialized surgeon and, and, and be concerned about work, work-life balance or, you know, there's just certain jobs where that just doesn't work and the legal profession is one of them. Well, it's interesting. I was speaking with a friend of mine who works in an ER. In fact, just this weekend about the exact question about how he, when he was coming up training, um, he was expected to work 36, 38 hours straight. Bree, does this all ring true to you as well about this idea that maybe work-life balance, if that phrase is in your head, uh, may not be law for you in the future? Yeah, I think that a lot of attorneys are looking for that sort of unicorn of a job where you can come in and get paid as much money as you were getting paid at a big law firm and potentially be able to go home and stop thinking about your job and have a life outside of work. I think that the the law firms are always going to expect you to be at the ready. And if you're not going to be, then you're not really as much of an asset to the firm as you could be. So, I mean, 
my experience as well is in big law. And so that is what sort of is always echoing in my head of, oh my gosh, like you go uh, home for the weekend and your job is not nearly over. You would be looking at your phone. It's you're just constantly tied to your phone, just checking to see if you have to do a client pitch or you have to do anything that might come up from the partner and the expectations just are continuous. But I I mean, I think I would say I would would go a little bit against the grain of 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 saying that there's never going to be a possibility of a work-life balance. (laughs) You're providing uh, some hope, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, because I I think a lot of firms are sort of spitting off from these bigger firms. Um, You know, partners are leaving these big firms all the time and starting their own practices. And they're trying to kind of get away a little bit from the big firm model. You know, the big firms are in this race with each other, like Harrison mentioned, with these salaries going up. I mean, everybody is increasing their salaries, but absolutely there's an attendant increase in like the expectations of the of the associates but the partners themselves can't are not really thriving in these big firms in some ways because they have to keep their rates really high uh, in order to there's like all these requirements from the firm that they're working with so instead they are kind of spinning off and starting their own boutique firms and kind of taking a, a bit of a page out of like silicon valley's book it seems like in some cases with having being very sort of technology forward and keeping things sort of small and manageable manageable in, in just kind of specializing in like a niche field and being able to pick and choose their clients a bit more. So, uh, you know, I think we're, we're always investigating at, at BCG Attorney Search, like what firms are real when they try to say that they have a, a work-life balance. And there's always opportunities and we're always sort of investigating further to see if that really holds true. But I, I yeah, I, I think as the millennial generation becomes more and more in power, that might become more and more of a reality. But who knows? I might be just dreaming. <laughs> well, no, it's interesting. I again referencing my friend who was in the medical profession. We were talking about that, about how his when he was coming up, you know, he's in his late thirties. Um, there were much more pressures put upon that generation than perhaps the next. And Harrison, I wonder if one of the reasons you wanted to write this article is because there was a, a tinge of frustration in the way younger attorneys were trying to approach the career. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. I mean, I think that they approach it with um, a little bit, and I think that's a really good point. I mean, they, they approach it with too much confidence and, you know, somewhere along the line, they get the idea. I mean, this is especially prevalent among people that go to Yale Law School for some reason. <laughs> it is. I mean, they get this idea that, you know, because they're smart, they can do whatever they want. And it is, it's crazy. And um, it was funny, you know, I was watching this Dave Chappelle show last night that he just came Came out with that everyone's talking about because he has all this free speech stuff, and he was talking about an attorney that he know he knows, and he the guy went to Harvard Law School, and then um, and he's a guy that he's a grew up in the hood with him or something, and you know went to Harvard Law School, the smartest guy you ever knew, and then went to work at a big law firm, and he said he walked into a Foot Locker. <laughs> And he was like, you know, there he's like 45 years old and wearing a, uh, you know, a referee's uniform. And that kind of thing I see, you know, I, don't, I see that sort of thing all the time because what happens is, you know, you can go to Harvard Law School and get a job in a big law firm. But if you don't, if you don't, you know, understand the importance and, and the demands of that type of environment, you know, you, you can get coddled if you're very smart and go to these good schools and stuff and even get a good job. But you can't, you can't hold on to it unless you just, you know, push through. So I give all these examples in my article, you know, of a woman that went to, you know, University of Pennsylvania and worked in a large Chicago firm and then decided to become a contractor and a guy that decided to take time off to write a book and another person from a big firm that wanted to, you know, 
go to legal aid. And, you know, I see people like this all the time or, you know, someone from Yale Law School that wanted to teach and then they decide they want to go to work in a law firm. And the law firm's reaction is no way. You know, you know, you, you decided to leave and you weren't committed. And so I, it's frustrating for me because these are smart people and they make all these huge career mistakes by doing things like that. Yeah, I mean, we even see law firms reacting that way when people leave the the law firm to go work at, for a clerk for a judge, mm-hmm, as a clerk mm-hmm. for a judge, because even that can be considered like, well, there it's a bit of a different workflow at a when you're clerking for a judge, and it's not as intense, and you know, you just kind of go and you work with your judge and you go home, and so even that can kind of be seen as a bit of a of an exit strategy from a law firm and wanting to get out of doing all that work. So even that prestigious sort of transition where you're doing something totally in line with what you were doing at the law firm and getting great insight on that side can kind of be a death knell and be very difficult to go back to a firm if you were practicing and then it seems like, okay, this guy just needed a break. Romina, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts about this. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And same goes for attorneys who leave law firms to go work for the government in some cases. We have seen at BCG that if someone goes to work for the DOJ or the AUSA's office, USAO's office, it's possible to go back to a firm, but... I think it's sort of an unwritten rule in the industry that once you leave a firm, it can be pretty difficult to get back to a firm for the majority of attorneys. I mean, there are always exceptions, especially for really well-pedigreed attorneys, attorneys that get really good experience when they leave to go in-house or to the government or a clerkship. I feel like if you have a really, really strong academic credentials um, and maybe you were at a really strong firm before you left to go do something else, you still might be able to go back to a firm, but it's definitely hard to go back to a big law firm. I think as Harrison mentioned in his article, you'll probably have an easier time of going maybe to a boutique firm or maybe a mid-sized firm. Yeah, I honestly only have a couple examples that I can think of of candidates that I've worked with who left uh, the practice of law for a couple of months to a year and then want to come back. I can think of one guy that actually left for a year to take a trip around the world with his family, and he was at a top, top AMLA 100 firm. And then I was actually able to place him back at an AMLA 100 firm, but I was really surprised by it. And I think, you know, it was definitely an exception to the rule. And I have another candidate who was at a top AMLA 100 firm, really strong academic credentials. And she left uh, to deal with her own personal divorce at a young age for a couple of months. And she was looking to go back to an AMLA 100 firm. And we were able to place her at a pretty strong boutique firm in the Bay Area, but it didn't seem like AMLA 100 firms were interested, even though she had a couple of strong references from the AMLA 100 firm that she had left. And I remember we actually got her an interview at a top AMLA 100 firm, and the partner that was interviewing her actually had worked with one of her references from the firm she had left in the past. And even then, they ended up passing on her because I think like Harrison mentions in his article, you know, why would a top AMLA 100 firm sort of go for one of these candidates who's left their firm and is sort of a liability? You know, in her case, she obviously went through a difficult personal circumstance. But, you know, these firms have kind of the cream of the crop candidates to choose from. Why are they going to take a chance on someone who has left their firm and and maybe hasn't consistently shown that level of commitment that these firms are looking for? And that is something that they the firms actually will 
in, you know, hammer into you from when you start. So it shouldn't really be a surprise to these candidates. Uh, the, they tell you as soon as you start at the big firms, like everything you do is molding your reputation from here on out. And they really mean it. And they're closely watching you. And they're closely, I mean, there's, you know, uns- sort of unstated rules about how quickly you need to respond to emails and how available you need to be. And so, you know, it, it's, it is surprising to me sometimes the somewhat off, you know, not, not completely with it reaction some of these people have to be surprised that they can't get back into the AM law firms when it's really not a well-hidden secret like how how these firms are going to judge you harshly for really taking any taking any step off the path I would say you know because of the salaries and so forth they don't there's nothing really the firms need to do at all I mean the firms can you know because they pay so much money I mean they can control people are always going to want to work for them you know if some if a millennial wants to you know say they need all this you know coddling and stuff then the firms don't care. I mean, I, I don't really see any major changes inside of firms because of because of that. I just, you know, I think the salary kind of controls the whole thing. Yeah, no, and that and that was actually um, my point about just millennials not necessarily changing the dynamics inside of these big firms because I think that that is going to, they're pretty intransigent and they're probably not going to make many changes. But I think what I mean more is that there are other options opening up and we're seeing so many different types of firms being born from partners leaving big firms and starting new firms that potentially, you know, that that could become more and more of a place that millennials might find that they are gravitating toward. Because I, I agree, I think that the big firm model is is pretty solidified and stuck where it is and not necessarily going to change. And then one other thing I wanted to say too that I think is important is the law firms, you know, one of the, in, in addition to having people that are, that, that one of the reasons that commitment's important to law firms is, you know, there's there's some estimates, I mean, that it costs, you know, several hundred thousand dollars every time someone leaves and, you know, that's expensive. And there, there's a lot of costs associated when people aren't committed and leave. I mean, because someone else has to be brought up to speed in the cases and a lot of times they have to write off the costs. They need to recruit new people. You know, there's downtime if they don't have someone new or that person's not, there's a billing not occurring. It doesn't look good to a lot of the clients when, you know, people leave, you know, so law firms want to, when they're smart in their businesses, they want to bring in people that are going to, you know, stick around and stay there. And um, because, you know, that's important to them. So they see a lot of movement or, or lack of commitment, you know, they know that person is going to leave. And, you know, I've noticed in, in our company, like there's a, I've hired people here before, you know, that have been, you know, anybody that's been in a law firm like five or six years or something, or, you know, usually is able to stay in this you know, in the company, you know, will always stay at least five or six years. Someone that, you know, one time we hired someone that had been in her last firm for um, 18 or 19 years, uh, you know, to work here as a recruiter. And the same person ended up staying here 19 years. I mean, you know, people. I think people, they, they, you know, their, their past repeats itself. And, you know, and I think what happens to a lot of people and every organization has problems in it, regardless of whether it's, you know, a small organization or a large organization, nothing's perfect. So some people get in an organization, they look around and they just put their head down and they work and they, they don't get involved in problems or, or gossip and rumors and, um, and they don't get psyched out by other people and they last and they succeed. And those are the kind of people that law firms want. Other people, you know, get into organizations organizations and they, they find problems and reasons to be unhappy. And there's law firms that have been around like 160 years. And every year, those law firms are hiring people that are acting like the firm's going down and they need to leave. And, you know, and there's people like that in every organization. But it's just, it's a it's a personality type of, of people that can get along with others and fit in with a culture. I think that it's important for the law firms. Yeah. And I think you make some interesting points, Harrison, of sort of what, what, 
firms might be looking for in your background that kind of shows that you have that commitment to commitment capability, which might be interesting thing for people to kind of understand the kinds of things to highlight to show the firms that you're the kind of person who is committed and can put their head down and work. And what were some of the examples that you said in there about like running a marathon or you had some kind of interesting examples of things that show that kind of commitment? Yeah. I mean, one thing is people are always proud of the, the things that they do that show a lot of commitment. So, I mean, it's just in people will talk about it, whether it, they went to an Ivy League college, like a lot of times people who went to an Ivy League college will always drop it. You'll learn about it within the first 30 seconds of meeting someone that went to Yale or something that they went to Yale. And it's like, but I mean, the reason they're proud of it is because, I mean, you have to work pretty hard as a high school student and stuff. And then, if you know, some people like are proud of things that they've done that where their commitment's awarded or if they're a really good athlete or something. I'd like to maybe wrap things up by asking for a, a takeaway for those lawyers that may be unhappy listening, those attorneys listening right now that may be unhappy, that or maybe are thinking they need a change, but you're really counseling them not to make um, a rash change, to just walk away. You're giving us a real lay of the land of why that's going to be really problematic for your career going forward. So they are unhappy, Harrison, Bree, Romina, what would you recommend they do? Well, I mean, you know, a lot of people shouldn't be practicing law. I mean, um, you know, I mean, but what do you think, uh, Romina? Yeah, I definitely think that a lot of people don't necessarily know what they're getting into. I think like Harrison mentioned a little bit earlier in this conversation, you know, I don't know that law school really prepares you for actually practicing law. I think it prepares you to read and analyze cases. But and then even really when you're a summer associate, I don't even think that that really necessarily prepares you to practice law after law school, because the summer is kind of spent coddling the summer associates rather than really testing their commitment. So yeah, I think a lot of people don't really realize maybe until they get into the workforce that it's not all sunshine and roses, and you really do have to commit and you know, you'll have to deal with difficult personalities. Like Harrison mentioned in his article, there will be associates that play games that are sort of on a power trip are trying to push you down in order to lift themselves up and start rumors. Uh, I definitely experienced some of that at my big law firm. But you just sort of have to keep your head in the game, go to work, do a good job for yourself and for your clients and for the partners that you're working for, and really, you know, make the most of it. And I think you need to see if you can find the, the area of law that you really will like to do no matter sort of what is going on. Because I think some people kind of get pigeonholed into doing something that is really not what they would like to be doing ultimately. And of course, it is very hard to like change practice areas. So I think a lot of people follow the people. And so if you find the right people that you want to work for, that generally becomes a much happier environment. If you're doing work that you don't care about with people you don't like, you're not going to be happy. And there's often ability inside of firms to strategically and politically make some changes and try to start working with people that you think you would jive well with. Because at the end of the day, you're just working with people and the better relationship you have with those people, the happier you're going to be. Does anybody else want to add anything before we wrap up? Yeah. Well, one thing I was going to say is just the the practice setting uh, that someone's in is is really important. So I remember, um, you know, my first summer I worked in the Department of Justice justice in Washington, D.C. And, and to me, people would leave at five and no one was excited about the work. I mean, I was actually representing the, where the government was 
being sued for spilling waste, you know, stuff which is pretty funny. Um, and then, but no one's no one really liked the job. I mean, it was just it was just a really awful and slow place, and I didn't like that. And and then you know, and then I worked in two different types of law firms. I worked in one where people were very excited, and another where it was very formal and not exciting. So it, I think like you brought up in the beginning, like the, the culture of the people you're working with can make a big difference. And I think Bree also talked about practice areas. I mean, you know, people that are in transactional practice areas tend to be people that like math and science. But a lot of times, you know, if you go to New York or something, you'll just be thrown into one of those. People that tend to like litigation, um, things to do with writing, tend to like English and things where there's a lot of writing involved. So, you know, the practice area you're in can really have a big impact on how much you enjoy the practice a lot and, and the people that you're with. So I think it's not that, you know, you need to necessarily leave if you're unhappy, but I think, you know, one of the important things is going to be to find the firm with a culture that you're happy with and, and, you know, work that you enjoy. But ultimately, I mean, you know, working in a law firm is about, you know, for the most part, it's going to be about sitting behind a desk and, you know, working and, and trying to find um, joy in that work. And then, um, and then also, you know, maybe staying away from, you know, negative influences and people that are going to make you think your job's not good. You know, one thing I'll say that was interesting to me is the firm that I started at when I was, I, I had given notice and, you know, and then the the head of the firm came by and um, he said, you know, if you stay here, you know, people that stay here and commit to this end up making partner. And it's just the people that leave don't. And I thought that was really interesting. And and there were, you know, my class was pretty small at this firm. It was only like eight people. And there were two guys that stayed. And, you know, the last I heard, like, you know, I mean, they were, they, I mean, they were the, the people there that, you know, don't even have any business are making like, you know, three to five or six million dollars a year. You know, and I actually enjoyed the work. I just didn't like all the hours and stuff. So, you know, if you you, you know, if you stay and you commit, I mean, I got psyched out for like the wrong reasons, you know, just because there was too much work and it wasn't, you know, the type of job that I was happy in, you know, because I wanted something a little bit more free and entrepreneurial where I didn't feel like I had all these bosses and stuff. But, you know, if you stick with stuff, you can do very well and you shouldn't get psyched out. I mean, if you like the work, I mean, being an associate especially is like an apprenticeship. You know, it's like you have to do it in order to get good and you need to do it for a long time. Romina or Bree, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, just kind of building on Harrison's point of it really can be about the people and law firm cultures can be so different one to another. So if you're not happy at your firm, there's a huge possibility that another firm will have a kind of culture that will be proper for you. I worked at a firm, a top, top firm in Los Angeles, and it really had a very big culture. I mean, we almost have a reputation for being like a fratty type of firm because we really enjoyed hanging out with each other. I've got a huge group of friends that have all that was all sourced by this firm and the people I met there. And, you know, I think if I had been at a different firm, there's definitely some firms that are a little bit more insular and the people are not as warm and welcoming. So there are possibilities that you can find the right cultural fit for yourself. Um, or maybe that's too much for you. You want to kind of do the opposite and you just want to be someplace where everybody's cordial and respectful, but um, it's not a huge social place. I mean, that that's an option too. So like Harrison said, the practice setting and who you're working with can can change um, and don't sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater just because where you're doing that practice isn't right. I mean, I certainly left that firm. I thought if I don't like this practice in this firm, I'm probably not going to like it anywhere um, <laughs> because, because it was such a great place to work. But yeah, 
I think there's there's always options and there's so many different places to work that, you know, you, we've all spent so much time committing to being lawyers. Uh, you put so much time in at school and it's it's worth giving it a, a good shot and putting throwing yourself into it and finding the right place to, to do that. Just kind of as a counterpoint to that, I sort of had the opposite experience. I felt like the culture of my firm was good, but the culture of my practice group wasn't great because of, I mean, and Harrison talked about this in his article and I've already mentioned it a little bit. I mean, there are definitely associates that can be, you know, out to derail other associates. And there was a particular associate like that in my group that would sort of hold herself out to me as a mentor and sort of get me to come to her with my questions and concerns and if I had any problems. And then she would take what I told her and sort of twisted and go to the partners and try to make me look bad. And she did this with everyone, even people that were her close friends that she had brought into the firm. And that sort of psyched me out. And I sort of left the practice of law for similar reasons as Harris. And I also didn't love the hours and I wanted to be more entrepreneurial and help attorneys with their careers rather than uh, be in the thick of it myself. But I definitely think that the firm culture is very important and, and liking the work that you do as well. Yeah, I agree. You know, just because you're unhappy in the firm, it might be your practice group or the people you're working with. So it's important to kind of find people you like working with and, and avoid the people, you know, you don't like working with. Absolutely. And I think it's important to be kind of committed and resilient in that way too. you know, just realize that there are going to be associates that are sort of out to derail you. But at least in my firm, you know, she didn't have any impact. It was more sort of an, a psychological effect that she was trying to psych the other associates out, but she didn't really have any actual impact on anyone's career. So just being resilient and sort of staying in your A game and focusing, like I said, on doing good work for your partners and your clients and not letting those people get to you is important. Yeah. And one thing I think just uh, is interesting too, is like about commitment is like, you know, a lot of people will jump in and want to instantly get into a law firm. And then like within a year or two, they want to go in house. And the thing is, if you look at the general counsels of most companies, they've been partners in law firms. So to do that first is, is, off, is often like a very important thing too. I'm just kind of thinking about that because that's important. You know, if you stick it out at, you know, for like 10 plus years at a major law firm, uh, even if you don't make partner, you know, you can usually lateral, a lot of times lateral into smaller law firms, you know, as a partner. So there's a lot of benefits to, you know, sticking with, with, um, you know, I think with sticking with, with, a, with a large law firm as long as you can. And also, it also takes about five years to, you know, even become a good attorney and to kind of know what you're doing and be able to handle most matters. So, you know, there's, there's other benefits, there's benefits of that. And you're, you're getting trained, you know, kind of at no cost. And so you have that, you know, experience also the longer you're doing it. That's definitely true. And I'll just say my, my husband was at a top firm and put in the time and commitment and learned a lot. And now he has his own practice and he's able to to make quite a nice living with working a lot less. Um, but he he would not have that luxury if he did not put in the time and, and hours getting the top-notch training he did at the firm he was at. So absolutely. I mean, you really kind of take control of your destiny by, by putting in that work. Not to mention the fact that he actually gets leads from that firm and you leave on good terms and you don't burn those bridges. It's, it's a great way to transition into working for yourself. And if you are going to go in-house, I think, you know, there's obviously a lot of competition to go in-house and the people that are able to land in good in-house jobs are the people that usually stayed at, you know, big law firms and showed their commitment and got that really great experience for several years. Like I have friends from HLS, I'm class of 2015, and I have friends, you know, that have been trying to go in-house for a year. I can think of one friend in 
particular, and she hasn't been able to. But I think, you know, in a year or two, she she should be able to do that. And, you know, so I think there is definitely value to sticking it out at a firm, especially a big law firm for long enough to sort of make sure that your exit options are as wide as they can be. And one thing I think is interesting too, just about, you know, and this I think occurs to me just with big New York law firms is the people that go to work in the big New York law, they hit both so many hours, like some of them, you know, like thousands, you know, 2,500 hours a year or more, and, but they're working on these big deals and they're working with people that are very intelligent. And the benefit kind of of that, I think, is, you know, there's this thing with it, there's like the 10,000 hour rule that like Malcolm Gladwell talks about and stuff where you, you don't really get good at something or learn about it until you've done it for about 10,000 hours. And I think, you know, being in those super competitive environments, environments like in New York and around these very competitive people and like getting all this exposure and being, you know, have, and it's like this in a lot of law firms, but having, you know, your work aggressively critiqued and so forth is beneficial. I mean, it's not, it's a good thing and it makes them better attorneys because they, you know, they come out of that environment and most of them interview very well and they, you know, they do very well in their new firm. So there's benefits to exposing yourself to that the longer you can, because it gives you career skills that stay with you the rest of your career. Thanks everyone. Thanks, Danny. Thanks to Harrison Barnes, Bree Mills, and Romina Filippu. If you're an attorney looking for a change, go to bcgsearch.com. We'll be back in one week's time with another edition of Lawyers Rising.